Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock, a weekly... Uh, <laughs> when are we out whenever we get around to it ish podcast to talk about Star Trek uh the new era. And I am Captain Sabriel Maston. And as usual, I am joined by my chief engineer. It's me, Ken Gagney. Hi. Yes. Hi. <laughs> it has been so, years. It's been since two we months last recorded. That's what yes. I said, two months. <laughs> Time was we were, wobbly. Yeah, we were last year when Strange New Worlds had their finale, and there has been no new Star Trek on the air since then. Um, but we now have a lot of stuff to talk about because Star Trek Day just happened, and Lower Decks is back on the air, and there's some other shows we've been watching too. So we thought we'd just take this opportunity to catch up on everything that's happened in the last two months and everything we're looking forward to. <laughs> I was about to scream a certain word from a certain movie, but uh, I'll just save that for a second. Uh, it was the 40th anniversary of the Wrath of Khan. Oh, oh! I I didn't realize that that was 40 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I went to go see it in theaters yet again. I think I saw it in the 35th anniversary or sometime in the past few years, whatever anniversary I saw it, or if it was just a special event. But I went to go see it again, and I still love it on the big screen. I still love that movie. I think it holds up for the most part. Still. Was it the same version you saw at the 35th anniversary? I think so. I couldn't. It was five years ago. <laughs> why? Oh, why do you ask? Oh, the 4K thing. Yeah, I just saw the motion picture in theaters this spring, and it was like the the remastered director's cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This was the this one had the extra scene where Scotty re- mentions the boy who died was basically his nephew and all that, which I don't think was in the original theatrical cut. Um, uh, I could be wrong. It's been a long time, but uh, I just remembering some facts about them. But anyway, on the big screen, some of the weird things that don't make sense are still there, but I still like, ah, whatever. Um, it's still fun. And like the submarine combat, that naval warfare in space, uh, such a, such a wonderful, fun concept. See, I don't think I've seen that movie in about 13 years. And I remember actually being a little disappointed in it because it there wasn't a lot that like there there are no huge space battles that i remember and kirk and khan never once are in the same room together Mm -hmm. it just seemed like a lot of them talking at each other over video screens oh for me like that's what it was the amazing tension it would have been great to have them in the same room yeah but um like their space battle is what was amazing to me you got a ship full of recruits cadets wasn't even supposed to be there that day. They were just on a little shakedown cruise. And for some reason, the Enterprise is the only ship, as usual, in the area. Between Earth and SETI Alpha system. Um, the SETI system, the only ship. And uh, all these cadets uh, go in there. Un- they're attacked by a Federation ship. They lose a bunch of cadets. <laughs> and uh, the trauma of there, of this crew that is untested. And having to go, basically, basically their ship is almost, the Enterprise is on the brink of destruction. And they get con, and then they have go in the Nebula and have their little naval combat. 
and uh you know it's, it's something like it's interesting to me like things i still forget even though i've seen the movie so many times it's like this time that stood out is i almost said picard kirk notices that as intelligent as um khan is they get him because spock notices that uh khan is fighting two-dimensionally in three-dimensional space and so they just go above him and just and i'm like oh yeah i don't know how i mean like, this is such a concept of it this is how they get the upper hand but uh it's like yes go spock being awesome i know for a biogenetically engineered superior human Khan still thinks in two dimensions. Yeah, well, at that point, like, Khan is, you know, so focused on just killing Kirk that he's losing his, you know, like, he's not paying attention to the little things around him. And, I mean, his crew is constantly pointing it out. Hey, we have the bomb. We don't need to do Jack here. Um, he's like, no, I have to stab at the... <laughs> um, uh, good times. Good times. I really enjoyed it. And even when Spock still dies, it still, you know, hit me. So, yeah, but good movie. Who is a better con, Ricardo Montalban or Benedict Cumberbatch? Ricardo. <laughs> I was just talking about Into Darkness this morning, even. Like, that was, I remember walking to the theater, out of the theater, and just going, what did I just see? I laughed when Chris Pinekirk yelled con. I laughed. Oh, I was so disappointed. You, you mean when Zachary Quinto? <laughs> or sure, whatever. Yeah, when he yelled "con," <laughs> uh, the, the, the 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 semantics there. Uh, yeah, when when Spock was cry- yelling over Chris Pine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just, I laughed. I I remember like <clears throat> I made that reaction. Yeah, Oof, the, they. Well, I remember even after they finished that second movie and there was a, like a cast interview and they said, what do you want to do for the third movie? And I think it was Carl Urban who said something original. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm cool. with the, you know, like, nod. Cool. Have con, but have a new story with con. I don't need the same story. Exactly. And then they, they went halfway there. Anyway, I could talk about Star Trek two a lot longer <laughs> and the films, but uh, you also did some Star Trekky things today with the original series, or not today, yeah. but recently. Yeah, I think we talked about on a previous transporter log how I saw the motion picture in theaters. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to recant that. And I think it was even on our last show that I talked about how I had done a Star Trek set tour up in Ticonderoga, New York. Yes. So I think I'd already done that. Well, since we last chatted, I went back to Ticonderoga because they were having their twice annual visit from William Shatner. Uh, I had not met many people from the original series. I met George Takei and I got my photo taken with him, but I don't have any autographs from anybody from the original series. And those opportunities are becoming fewer, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a moment. So I'm like, I, I should take this opportunity. And it was unreasonably expensive. <laughs> it was 150 <laughs> bucks for an autograph and 150 bucks for a photograph. So $300 wow. total. You know, wow. And I'm like, this is not something I'm going to make a habit of. So I'm like, okay, I can do it once. Uh, so I got there, what I thought was kind of early, like 30 to 45 minutes early. It was still a long line stretched across the parking lot, but it was okay because the people in front of me and the people behind me were both truckies, go figure. <laughs> so we had lots to chat about. And these are the kind of people who can, you can, you know, they asked me, what, what are your favorite episodes? And you can answer with episode titles and they know what you're talking about. 
you know, so just like you and me, Sabriel. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Before you, uh, you know, I mean, another thing, a con, because you brought up William Shatner here, even though I knew. Uh, which I, I don't know if it feels relevant because we're both getting older. <laughs> but Star Trek Two, rather con, also about Kirk coming to the acceptance of his aging, getting older. And coming into terms with that, he's given glasses for his birthday because he has an eye thing. He can't get corrective uh, mm-hmm. space super space surgery. And um, so I look, after the movie, I'm like, we looked it up. I'm like, how old is Captain Kirk supposed to be here? He's 50. He's turning 50 in Star Trek oh. Two. And I was like, and he's sitting here having the difficulties of getting older. And <laughs> yeah, when I was when, when I told people I was going to meet William Shatner, they're like, how old is he now? I'm like, he's like 91 or or <laughs> something like that. He's in his 90s. Well, and those expensive tickets, the prices, he's got to pay for trips to space somehow. That's right. That's right. And I'll come (laughs) back to that too. Uh, But I'll be honest, one of the best and biggest surprises of the day came while I was waiting in line Uh to meet William Shatner. And, you know, they have employees walking up and down the line, making sure everybody has their tickets and stuff. And at one point I see somebody walking down the line and I say, holy crap, is that Michael Okuda? And it was. And it was. It's awesome. He and Denise were both there that day, and they were not charging for autographs or photographs. They were just <laughs> there to hang out. That's awesome. Those two seem like such amazing people. They were fantastic. I didn't get a chance to meet Denise. They were not in. Uh, they were not working the crowd together, and so I only mm-hmm. got to chat with Michael. But I told him that I loved season four of Star Trek Enterprise. And he just passed the credit for that along to all the other people that they hired <laughs> to work on that season. Yeah. Uh, but oh. it turned out that they actually were there not just to hang out, but for, for like a reasonable $30, you could do the same Star Trek original series set tour that I got led by them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I thought about doing it, but I didn't for three reasons. One is the next day I was moving from Vermont to Kansas City, and I had to go home and pack everything up. Uh, Two, I'd already done the set tour. Mm -hmm. And three, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, the original series is the only Star Trek I haven't seen every episode of. And so I think that the Okudas would go into a level of detail that I wouldn't be able to appreciate. It would just be lost on me. Right, right. (laughs) So maybe someday Uh, I'll regret not doing that tour, but... For that day, just the, the it was only available like at 5 p.m. And I was like, I had already been uh, there since 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I did not partake. Question for you about the Ticonderoga experience. Yes. Um, is that also the location where they're doing the next gen set? Or do you know? Yes. Or is that the other? Okay. Yeah, so, in fact. I don't think that's open yet. I don't, and, or early visits, maybe. But they had a bonus that day where if you're doing the set tour, you could get a look at the work in progress. They're working on the bridge first, Uh, but no, it's not open for tours and they're not going to be filming shows on it. Like that's why they built the original Mm -hmm. series set. They're just doing the TNG set for fun. That's really cool. Uh, Yeah. The last time I got to see the bridge of the enterprise D was in Star Trek, Las Vegas at the experience. And they wouldn't let us walk around unless you paid the extra money to do the (laughs) captain's chair thing. Oh, I I don't think I had that opportunity when I was there. Uh, if you paid like a an extra quadrillion uh, dollars, you could uh, sit in the captain's chair. But like, <sighs> but in the experience, they just shuffled you through in the top deck. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they won't let you see the whole thing, which it was probably because there's probably like lots of things they don't want you to see. <laughs> right. But uh, it's a shame. But anyway. Huh. 
Well, eventually the line did start moving forward. And I, uh, if you do the set tour, the last room you visit is the bridge. So with this photo op, the bridge is the first room you go to. Mm. And Shatner is sitting in the captain's chair, of course. And as you know, from having seen the show, the captain's chair is like one step down from the upper tier. Mm-hmm. And so they would basically just have you walk from one side of the tier to behind the captain's chair, smile for a photo, and then just keep walking. So, like, I didn't know that going in. I was like, I was trying to figure out, like, what what sort of funny pose should I have Shatner uh, and I do? Because, uh-huh. like, when I was with George Takei, we were just like arms around each other, and we were both doing the peace or no, the live long and prosper sign. But with Shatner, like, he hardly even looked at you because he was looking forward at the camera, mm. and there was no physical interaction. Like he sort of like turned around and nodded at me to make sure I was ready for the photo, but that was it. That's so uh, it was very assembly line. That sounds like a very William Shatner thing alone too. I mean, besides there being lots of people. Yeah. And when I got the photo, I, I wasn't thrilled with it, not because of anything I did or because of what William Shatner did, but like it was off centered. And I think that was to give room for him to add his autograph later if you want. Mm, uh-huh. But also it was off-centered because you could have two people in your photo with mm. William Shatner. So one on either side of him on the chair. And it was just me. So like, I, if you're looking at the photo, I'm on the left side of his chair. Then there's Shatner. And then there's just a huge empty spot. Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So like if they had told me like, oh, if there's only one of you, you should stand on the other side of him to balance things out better. I would have done that. So, and also they only give you the photo in hard copy. You have to pay an additional $25 if you want them to email it to you, which I also did. But of course it's the physical one that's signed. So Uh I have the original digital unsigned and then I scanned the physical one, which has the autograph. Wow. What a process. Yeah. That's a, it feels like an experience and one that you are not the most glad you did it, but not the most thrilled about it. (laughs) Right. Like there's nothing I could have done differently and I don't wish I hadn't done it, but that part wasn't exactly what I hoped for. Uh, The second part was, so there were all these other add-ons that I didn't pay for, like for $500, you and 24 other randos could stand around the bridge with Shatner while he's on the captain's chair for an hour and just talk. Uh, uh And I chose not to do that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I did as part of the package with the photo, I got to go to a a local school auditorium where William Shatner took questions for an hour. Uh, That was, I was also dissatisfied with and not because of anything Shatner did, uh, but there was only one microphone and it was for the person on the stage. So the people Ugh. in the audience just had to shout their question. And Shatner was constantly oh being goodness. like, what was that? What'd you say? I can't hear you. Oh. And again, not, not because he's hard of hearing, but because it was a big uh-huh. echoey room. That's a bummer. <sighs> like, why can't you have, why can't you afford two mics and have somebody running them around? Uh-huh. Uh, he was 15 minutes late, which, you know, again, I don't blame him. It was a busy day. But the first question was a great question. It was, what was it like going up into space? And he talked for a half an hour about that. I'm sure he could. He was just, wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's like looking into death. (laughs) And then the second question, 
the, this person raised her hand and asked, what were your favorite episodes? And the entire room groaned. And she, even Shatner was like, what were my favorite episodes? I've never been asked that before. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And we were like, oh my God, this is the only question we have time left for. And this is what we're spending it on. So uh, did he, he have a canned response? You know what? He went off on these random tangents about tectonic plates, creme brulee, and Stephen Hawking. You know what? I I do not. I think he did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about something much more interesting. Yeah. And then finally he came back around and I think he said, like, let that be your last battlefield. Mm-hmm. It was like the, probably the first one he thought of. Yeah. Or maybe he genuinely is his favorite. But <laughs> yeah. But you know, like like he has gone on Twitter as saying, like, when did Star Trek come all political? And yeah. we were like, oh we were like, you, you did that. And he's like, No, no, no. We were doing social commentary. That's not <laughs> politics. And I was like, ah, Yep. <laughs> so anyway, it was fun to hear him talk. I wish he'd had more time. I wish the audio had been better. Uh he none of his answers were direct, but they were still mm-hmm. entertaining. Uh, and then I went home. <laughs> like, like he is an entertainer, and he knows how to work that. And it's like it sounds like a very William Shatner experience. Not counting the tardiness, like that may not have been him. It sounds like a very William Shatner thing. And so you got the whole William Shatner experience. I did. I did. <laughs> And now I have a story I can spend 12 minutes on a podcast talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. So that has really been the only Star Trek thing I've done lately. Uh, the, the only other thing that may be relevant is we had Bonnie Gordon on the show recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Actually, when I say recently, time flies by so quickly. I think it was last November. <laughs> Relative. Yeah. Uh, she, of course, does the voice of the ship's computer on Star Trek Prodigy. She was at Star Trek Day, uh, got her photo taken with Bill Nye, the science guy, which was awesome mm-hmm. that he was yes. there. Uh, she was, when she was on Transporter Lock, she was also on Polygamer. Uh, we use the same audio for both podcasts that I'm on. Polygamer is a show that I've done for the last eight years, interviewing diverse voices in the video game industry. And this past summer, since I last spoke with you, I decided that eight years was a good run. And I was happy with the collection of stories that people had told on that podcast. And it was time to bring it to a close, which means Sabriel Transporter Lock is now the only podcast I'm on. Yeah, you're stuck with me for a bit. <laughs> I hope for a long bit. Well, the terminology. Just <laughs> don't get focused on terminology. We can even make it eight bits. Let's make it a full bite. Let's do, let's do all the bits. I love it. All right. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to be on Polygamer a few times, too. I think you were my most prolific guest. You were on the show three three times. Plus, we did two movie reviews of Wonder Woman and Star Trek. And and Star Trek. Because that was before we had Transporter Lock. And we were like, we need to talk about Star Trek. And the only podcast (laughs) we have is Polygamer. So let's do it. And thus, this was born. Yep. Yeah, Uh, I think so. you were on the show once to talk about uh overwatch wants to talk about editing and dungeon dragons and then mm-hmm. your very first appearance was before either of those it was just like i think talking general. about being a being a live streamer yeah or a like general gaming something like that yeah like twitch streaming and stuff yeah but yeah. uh there was also some sad news 
Yeah, the, so there has been some other stuff that's uh, happened in the past couple of months. People have gotten... Oh, well, yeah. I, there's sad news. Uh, the sad that Polygame went down, but also sad news oh. in the Star Trek oh. world. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I mean it that way. <laughs> Poly- Polygamer is bittersweet. I, I'm still meeting people whose stories I want to tell, and now I don't have an outlet for it. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, even though it was just a monthly podcast, still a lot of time and energy go into thinking about yeah. who do I want to interview and getting them on the show. Uh you know, it was funny. the The very last episode, uh, I I was there was a particular topic I wanted to cover, which I had never covered before, and so I reached out to somebody and asked her if she would come on the show. And she wrote back, and you know, like I have this email, a, a template that I sp- I send out saying like, "Here's what the show is about. Here's a link to more information. Previous guests have included these people. I would love to talk to you about these topics. Do you want to come on the show?" And the person wrote back and said. Uh, I can't come on the show because I'm not polyamorous. And I was like, why do you think that matters? And she said, well, the name of your show is Polygamer. I was like, oh, no. No, apparently you didn't read anything I sent. <laughs> and I, but I was like, you know what? Let's let's just go with it. So I, that person and I uh, were not able to make a schedule work out. So I reached out to somebody else and I was like, you know what? Apparently, people think this show is about polyamory, and we've never discussed that topic on this show before. So let's maybe just... me. <laughs> like... well, well, I'm like, you know what? It, after this episode, there aren't going to be any more, so I don't care if people think it's about polyamory after this. <laughs> so we did a whole episode about polyamory in video games and how you can <laughs> hack Stardew Valley to date multiple people without other people getting mad at you. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, I guess that's how SEO is uh, a lesson in SEO. (laughs) But, you know, after that episode aired, I used to be a high school teacher. And one of my students from 16 years ago, out of the blue, emailed me and said, hey, Ken, I just listened to your last episode of Polygamer and I'm polyamorous. And that's not a perspective or lifestyle I hardly ever see represented in media and especially in gaming. And I really appreciate being seen on your podcast. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was nice to. You, you, that's the thing with podcasting. So often you're broadcasting into a like basically a black hole, oh. and you don't know how your message is going to land, and you rarely get to find out if and when it does. Yeah. So that that kind of feedback was especially welcome. And then I did like a wrap up episode where I almost like a Shades of Grey clip episode <laughs> where I just took like here are my eight favorite episodes of Polygamer from the last eight years, and I just did a little commentary on each one. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, and in in uh, Star Trek milestones, uh, this also came up recently on Star Trek Day. Will Wheaton turned fifty years old. Same old age as William Shatner or Kirk in Star Trek Two. Oh Accidentally God. brought that around. <laughs> you know, I, I remember a few years ago when when Will Wheaton turned the age that Patrick Stewart was when Next Generation premiered. Yeah. Uh-huh. But now that you're pointing out that like he's the same age Kirk was. <laughs> in Wrath of Khan. That is astonishing. Right? Uh, it's just weird to think like Will Eaton seems so young here. And but even in Star Trek 2, Kirk seemed old. But they also kind of accented his age. Like, here's some gift glasses. Here be surrounded by a bunch of kids. Um you know, they're kind of pushing that message a bit. But yeah, Does, Will Eaton, 50 years old. Uh Oh, okay. I, I was trying to look up whether or not Will Wheaton has kids, and he does. He has yes, two. two sons. 
I, I think they're... It says, upon reaching maturity, this is Wikipedia, both sons asked Wheaton to legally adopt them, which he did. Yep. So I guess they're they not were, biological. Uh, they were Anne's kids. Anne Wheaton, his wife. If I recall correctly from a previous marriage. Got, got it. Okay. I... I mean, I think that's exactly how it works, but I could be off on a minor detail. The only reason I bring this up is because this is a huge generality and stereotype that I'm making. But in my limited experience, people without kids tend to be more big kids themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm just thinking about our friend circle. I'm not going to name people, but that has. I, I can point to people who are like, they love video games and having fun and doing neat things. And I look at the people who are parents and very often they are very necessarily focused on their own children and making sure that those kids have everything that they need. And thus they don't always have the time that they wish they had for themselves. Uh-huh. You know? And so Will Wheaton, he seems like a big kid to me and I would not, before looking up on Wikipedia, would not have been surprised if he didn't have kids because he's able to spend so much time doing fun, cool things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But he does have kids. So that blows that stereotype out of the water. (laughs) Um, Will Wheaton had his birthday, but we lost another Star Trek alumni, uh, bridge crew. We lost Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, yeah, that that was kind of a surprise to me. I knew she was older and that she'd been having some health issues and had also been subjected to elder abuse, but I, I didn't realize, I, I thought her only health issues were mental health. I didn't realize that her physical health were was d- deteriorating as well. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I, it kind of hit me a bit hard. Not as hard as Leonard Nimoy, but cause it, for her, I think I was like expecting it to be coming. And it was less of a... Surprise and more of a oh okay, yeah. Um, it's a shame yeah. and gosh, like bring up Star Trek two again. Watching her there, I was so mad for her, not at her for her, because the only lines she basically had there, uh, except for the very beginning in the simulator, were SETI Alpha five come in. SETI Alpha, oh, no, no, excuse me, uh, Space Station Regular 1, come in. Space Station Regular, come in, come in, Regular, come in. Like just, or, or Kirk, come in, Kirk, come in. Like Those lines on repeat. And I'm like, that's basically all you gave her. And the extra cast, they didn't get the, I think, the respect that they deserve in lines or whatever a lot of times. And I was so bummed for her because it was, just, you know, she only died a few weeks ago. And she's in like this movie that's regaled as one of the better Star Trek movies. And she barely got any lines. It could have been an even better Star Trek movie. Yeah. I mean, movie making is different then. And the original series was always about the triumvirate of McCoy, Spock, and Kirk. But it was still just bummer to see the extra the other cast members not get much of the spotlight or they get the spotlight kind of pointed in their general direction. Yeah, especially when you consider how important she was to the history of Star Trek and the history of television, the way mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. encouraged her to stay on the show when she was thinking about quitting. Yeah. And then just to have her have that minor part, which I mean, I'm glad she was there. They could have had anybody answer the phone. Uh, so I'm glad she got to continue playing her part in movies. At the same time though, if Uhura is doing a part that any character could, then it's not really Uhura. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, especially the way they had her portrayed in the in that movie 
And like she had a great, it was a funny bit in um, the simulator at the start of the movie. But after that, meh. And I was just bummed for her. I wish I could have brought her in more. Sure. Well, I'm glad that the character lives on in Strange New Worlds. And I'm glad that yes. those actors got to meet. Yes. Um, Cecilia is wonderful as Uhura. She is. Uh, and we got to see a little memorial. Uh, going to segue into Star Trek Day. We got to see a memorial for Michelle Nichols there. And led by Cecilia. Yeah. On Star Trek Day, unfortunately, I had a client call at the same time. I have two monitors at work. So I had Zoom on one and Star Trek Day on the other muted with captions on. <laughs> Couldn't give it my full attention. I uh, even the I think I was wearing a Star Trek shirt, and this client always comments on where I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt. And I said, "Yeah, I thought it was appropriate since today is Star Trek Day, starting right now." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, well, I'm glad that you know I appreciate you sacrificing that to be here with me right now." When the appropriate answer would have been, "Oh, do you want to reschedule our call?" Yeah, right. <laughs> I wanna, right. I'm gonna myself, Celia. That's Cecilia. I kept saying, adding extra. In there, Celia. Got it. Celia. Anyway. Yeah. So the call ended halfway through the Picard season three trailer. That's when mm -hmm. I started being able to mm -hmm. give Star mm -hmm. Trek Day my full attention. So I missed everything before that. And I didn't go back and watch it. So I did not see the tribute to Nichelle Nichols. Okay. Or maybe um, I did actually, now that you mentioned it. I think I, no, I think I did see that part now that you mentioned it. I saw, I saw the clips of all the different shows she had done and the like. Yeah. And like her time with NASA and such like that. So Yes. Uh so Star Trek Day, speaking of strange new worlds, we got a little teaser for that. Uh we do you want to I don't know how much you want to talk about with like I, I I'm scared to talk about anything I actually <laughs> saw. Well I appreciate you wanting to respect my aversion to spoilers. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I was going to avoid the Picard trailer, but when I ended up turning on Star Trek Day in the middle of it, I was like, well, I'm already watching it. So uh, <laughs> The Strange New Worlds was just a clip from an episode, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a clip um, of Ortega's being excited. She finally gets to go on an away mission. And wear a hat. And wear a hat. They're all laughing at her. And then Spock tells her, no, you're staying here. Fly the Enterprise. Yeah, did you like that clip? I mean, what, it was like virtually no context, but I'm all, I love Ortegas. Right. And uh, bummed for her. She'll get her moment in season two. And the actress has been hinting that online. It's like Ortegas gets her moment. And I think, I bet you it's even this episode later on. Mm. I like that we got to hear her internal narration. Her, no, her, her pilot, her, so was a pilot's log or something she called it? Yeah, not often you get one of those. And I also liked that at the very end, she she says to Spock, you have to learn when to leave people alone. And I would expect him to say something like, noted, or I apologize. But instead he said, sorry, I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. And it was a very human response. And that it's goes back to what you and I have discussed, where this is an era of Spock where he is more human. Yeah, yeah. He's being his human half before. Or, or yeah, more more human before we see him in original series. Yeah, yeah. There's little subtle things like that that, like when you when you don't really catch it, you know, or or you don't really think about it until it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that makes sense now. 
Well, it reminds me of a counter at Farpoint when McCoy said to Data, I don't see any pointy ears on you, but you sound like a Vulcan. Now, and Data, he never used contractions. Mm-hmm. And so something, a scene like this, even if Spock wanted to say, sorry, I was still expected to be preceded with, I am sorry. But no, he's just like, sorry. You know, <laughs> it's just like one step away from hearing Spock say, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, <laughs> Lieutenant. <laughs> yeah. So so this clip was relatively spoiler free. We have no idea what the mission is or what's going to happen. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching it. Cool. Um, and clearly we have uh, Noonien Singh back because she was in the hallway on the Gwendolyn yes. mission. I know, oh, that's like, right. like, you were worried about, like, how are they going to do this? I'm like, I'm not worried because it's just, I was like, I don't, I'm not worried. I know they're going to, she's just said she's going to be gone for a bit. We don't know when this episode happens in the series, but she was there. Yo, and I was I like, not, don't worry about it. She'll be back. I did not consciously notice that, but you're right. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't so much worried about how she would get back as when, because there seemed to be this kind of like at the end of G Space Nine, at the end of Strange New World Season One, a lot of characters left, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I hope they come back. And she was gone for such a short period without dying that when she came back in this clip, I didn't even notice or remember that she had been gone. But yes, thank you for pointing that out. Uh-huh. I feel better uh-huh. now. Uh, we also get a new. At least an engineer for at least one episode. I don't know how many episodes are getting Carol Kane, who's going to be storming the castle with the crew of the Enterprise. That's right. Carol Kane from Princess Bride. And as you reminded me, Scrooged. And also the Broadway production of Wicked. Uh-huh. And she's been in so many things. And most recently, I remember seeing her in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, this landlord type lady. And she's hilarious. I love Carol Kane. I think I only remembered her from Princess Bride. And our friend Susan Arndt was like, is she going to be Chief Engineer Humberdink? And I'm like, no, no. Uh, uh, Susan made just comments like how no one got the joke. And I'm like, what, were they half alive or, or were they half dead or whatever, whatever I said? Right. <laughs> Mostly dead. Mostly dead. But remind me, uh, was this casting announcement made during Star Trek Day? Because I only heard about it from Susan. Oh, yeah. It was during Star Trek Day. That, uh, during like one of the panels or something like that. They mentioned, they mentioned it and then they showed the picture of her standing next to the console. Oh, okay. That's it. Well, I'm glad that we have a chief engineer because, you know, we, we lost. We don't know if she's be chief engineer. I thought we don't. We just know engineer. Oh. We don't know what context. Hold on. Wait a minute. Is that right? At least what? I didn't hear it if they said a specific role for her. Uh, the tweet from Trek News Net, which Susan was retweeting, says... Carol Kane joins the cast of Strange New Worlds for the series' second season as Chief Engineer P- Pelia. Pelia. Uh, I, didn't, so, I didn't catch the chief part in, during the Star Trek day, but it could have been in press materials. Yeah, so this or is... I just didn't hear it. So this is replacing our Andorian character who passed away last season. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that, we, you know, uh, uh, you and I have discussed on this podcast that Star Trek Discovery apparently has no chief engineer. They have a chief spore drive operator. Yeah, or if they have a chief engineer, we never see him or hear them or... <laughs> right. Or like kind of like... Next oh, Gen. Yeah, well, I was thinking of Next Gen at uh, Encounter at Firepoint. Who was uh-huh. the chief engineer? Well, that's the thing. First season, they didn't, ha- they didn't have... They had like a couple of rotating. They weren't going to have that role. Oh. And then they're like, okay, this feels weird. So we're going to put Jordy there. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, the the guy who was chief engineer during Encounter Firepoint, like Duffy or something. Yeah, they had a few. Uh, yeah, but I remember if you look up his memory beta entry, like again, I don't remember his actual name, Chief Engineer Duffy. It says like in the novels, uh, Chief Duffy died during this encounter at blah blah blah. <laughs> he also died in this mission, and he also died in this other mission. <laughs> I mean, when you're that close to the warp core all the time, who knows what kind of weird things are going to happen to you? Right? You know, like in Lower Decks, we don't talk about how they come back. <laughs> Speaking of Lower Decks. Yeah. This is my... Uh, Tawny Newsom and uh, what's his butt who played Mr. Peanut Butter in BoJack Horseman and plays the bird guy here. Can't remember his name. Uh, were hosted. And this is like the first real time I really got a good look at Tawny Newsom and I have fallen in love. <laughs> she's tall she's hilarious she's brilliant and she's very pretty she's a lot like mariner yeah <laughs> uh, uh let's see i've never seen bojack horseman but that character is played by paul f Tompkins. that's it that's it he he played uh he plays the bird in lower decks who walks around uh oh, and was working with tawny this episode or not tawny um um, I was what I was wondering who he was and why he was on the set of Star Trek Day. <laughs> uh, cool. Can be I'm trying to say. Yes, like I, I'm stuck on Tawny right now. <laughs> well, I can see why. Um, yeah, we got a. Did what? Were there any? No, there were no lower deck announcements because lower decks is airing right now. Uh, no, they're just they. Uh, they like, I think they might have done a clip of the next episode or something like that. But that's, that's about it. Nothing yeah. really new there. Um, just the two characters who were ho- two characters from Lower Decks hosted the event. Oh, that's right. There was a clip, and it showed like Boimler, but he was the captain of some other ship, and he had. I think it's name. his duplicate from like the season one or two when okay. uh, he got his a transporter duplicate. But he and, knows, uh, he wasn't he even going by a different name. Yeah, I mean, just okay. like just like Riker. Yeah, but it's, I thought they said like Captain something, and it wasn't Captain Boimless or something like that. And yeah, I think they just changed the name after he went on to the Titan. After our Boimler uh, went back to the Cerritos, and now he's already Captain. <laughs> well, even the latest episode of Lower Decks, they were like, "Have we done a time travel thing yet?" <laughs> so maybe this is a time travel thing. Maybe. Uh, but there were other announcements. Speaking of animated shows, we got a clip from Star Trek Prodigy season one, second half. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing that. It's ridiculous. It was outrageous. I didn't even pick up on that in the clip. It's only because Tawny said it afterward. I didn't either. I, I also but, wasn't paying close attention. Prodigy's not my jam. True. But, but it was especially interesting, though, like, having been watching lower decks every week for the past three weeks to go to see a clip from prodigy and the cgi animation looks so stilted next to the fluid animation of lower decks mm. uh-huh. to me it's like star wars cartoons which i've also never seen ah and i love star wars i just never got into the tv series which includes the mandalorian and book of boba fett and all the others there's a lot now yeah yeah i I, I'm told by a mutual friend of ours that I will enjoy the um, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Mm-hmm. And that's a limited run, so I can commit myself to that. And I Mandalorian is somewhere on my list to watch someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, Good stuff, good stuff. Um, 
What interests me about the prodigy is that we have Janeway chasing after Janeway. Oh, uh, the real Janeway chasing after Janeway and yeah, the yeah. product and the ship. Yeah, and apparently, so they ended the first half of the season not knowing that they had this contamination on their ship because that character's memory had been wiped. But now, in this clip, they're saying, we can't open a hailing frequency to the other ship because it will infect them with the living construct, they called it. Mm-hmm. And so apparently that memory has been resurfaced or rediscovered. Uh, J- the real Janeway ship is massive. Uh, I don't know what class of vessel that is. And so the character with the eye patch that was supposed to be the outrageous Okona. Uh, actually, I had a picture of it, and I think I closed it already, so I can share it with you. But um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Yeah, eye patch guy is uh, the outrageous Okona. Because I didn't hear him called that in the clip. I don't so think it was me... mentioned to call that either. But uh, they did mention Billy Campbell. The Rocketeer is reprising his role as the outrageous Lacona. Oh, okay. That's great. This is also odd, though. Oh, well, so that's true. Prodigy takes place like in the Picard era, right? I think it's before that. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't paid attention to years close enough. Well, what about Lower Decks? Is that more like right after that's Voyager? More or less. Yeah. Not, it's nowhere near the Picard era. How about that? Cool. This makes sense then, because in Lower Decks Season 1, the Outrageous Okona was DJing a party for Starfleet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so I was trying that. to figure out, like, how is he now old and eye-patched and on this vessel? Okay. <laughs> if there's been, like, 20 years, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. I mean, he put his, he put his, uh, <laughs> his turntable up, and you know, <laughs> one, of, one of the two was his side gig. We don't know which. That's right. Uh, and then we had some other announcements we have uh, you know we were talking about the wrath of Khan so Khan is coming back as an audio podcast yeah I don't think Ricardo Montalban is going to reprise his role but we're getting a a podcast called SETI Alpha 5 too soon Sabriel too soon has it really been (laughs) yeah Khan SETI Alpha 5 yeah and this is written by Nick Meyer who wrote Star Trek 2 correct yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, what what do you think of this announcement? Is, does it excite you, or are you just like meh? I think it's really cool. I mean that they're they're going into a new medium that they haven't done. I mean they've done a little bit with like audiobooks, and uh, they did it with uh, Star Trek Picard with the No Man's Land, which I have and I still haven't listened to uh, with Raffi and Seven. But we haven't like we're expanding. Mm, I guess that's not the same way either. Uh, I was going to say we're expanding a story, but we did that here too. We're just telling a new story, uh, which I think is great. Uh, it happened before at the con. When you say No Man's Land, was that audiobook only? Yes. Oh, I missed that. It's my knowledge anyway. Huh. Uh, like an audio drama. Yeah, I, I read the book that came out after Picard season one, which is sort of a prequel to season one. It shows how he ended up not being in Starfleet. And that book was eh. Uh, I generally do like Star Trek books. I haven't ever gotten into audiobooks. There was an mm-hmm. audio podcast about Wolverine, the Marvel character, that I started to listen to and then just sort of lost interest. Uh, I think it's sort of like the difference between old Star Trek, which is episodic, and new Star Trek, which is serial. 
with most podcasts that I listen to, I can go months between episodes and it doesn't matter because each one is fully mm-hmm. self-contained. Whereas with a serial podcast, I'm like, I need to listen every single week <laughs> and I, I can't make that kind of commitment. And so I oh, man, I'm not going to sh- I'm not going to show you my podcast list here as I'm finally getting cut up over the summer. And I'll fall behind again until next summer. <laughs> Which sort of shows you listen to? Uh, I listen to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. I listen to Film Sack, which dude's just talking about crappy 80s, 90s, 2000s movies. Um, uh, those are the big ones. The other one. Oh, and I also talk to, listen to the Delta Flyers. So those are all episodic shows, right? Yeah. So I don't, most of them, most of them I don't have to listen to right away. The Skeptic's Guide is a one actually is current events. But uh, one of these days I want to go back and listen to Shuttle Pod 1, which is Connor Turnier and um, um, Dominic Keating. Yes, thank you, Dominic. Talking about Enterprise. Yeah, I would love to go back and listen to them. I tried watching, I think some of these audio podcasts also have a video edition and they just extract the audio for the audio podcast. Yeah, they, they do, like a Patreon to get the, the video version. Yeah, I don't care for video podcasts. The last thing I want to do is sit and watch two people talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I don't want to watch it, I want to hear it. Right. Uh, for me, those kind of things are on a second screen while I'm doing something else, right? Mm. I don't sit here and just focus on them talking to each other. I don't know that I can focus on people talking to each other, even if it's audio only, while doing something else. Uh, so that's so like I'll listen to podcasts while I'm either cooking or cleaning or driving. Uh-huh. But not while yeah, I'm like working at the computer or playing a game. Uh, it, it, for me, it's like a certain mood. Like sometimes I just need music. Other times, like if it's nothing where I can just like, yeah, it's different. Sure. I'm going to work all the day. Well, uh, we have a friend who listens to audio podcasts as they go to sleep because listening to other people talk drowns out the voices in their own head and allows mm-hmm. them to sleep. Or we're just very boring, Ken. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> oh, good. As I joked when I was on another Star Trek podcast, whew, good. We're going to hear more white people talking about Star Trek. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, if, we want, if we want to be diverse, I can just leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then just me, me. That's Being that's trans. fine. All right, sure. I mean, I mean, the, the diversity would go from 50% to 100%. It would double. I suppose you are correct in that regard. Uh, <laughs> speaking of lowering the bar, lower decks again. <laughs> okay. I, I, I that was my best segue. I was going to go otherwise. Speaking of segues, um, lower decks again. What about it? had some... Uh, Figures from past Star Treks appear in Lower Decks this season. But we also had a, uh, tr- a Picard trailer. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. Here, I was just trying to segue to get us so we don't <laughs> talk uh, for three hours. Uh, yes, we did have Star Trek season three teaser trailer thing. I'm still as excited as I was before when I heard all, uh, all the original cast coming back. Yeah, this trailer was very spoiler free. The only two things I learned that I didn't already know were Seven of Nine is in a Starfleet uniform. And uh-huh. they well, are was, on. That was what? I guess I was assumed by the end of season two, but we have yes. to, get to see it. Yes. Yes. That's what I mean. It wasn't a surprise, it was a confirmation. Mm-hmm. And they are on the USS Titan. Yeah. And I, I think it's like a new, uh, that's a new reveal. And I think that's um, a new Titan. I don't think it's the same as Riker's Titan. I think you're right. It's not a surprise that it is the Titan, given the tie to Riker. But when they were doing the like shuttlecraft flying in sort of like Star Trek motion picture reveal. I really thought it was going to be an enterprise. Mm, yeah, actually 
Speaking of an enterprise, there is a new class of ship in the background of that trailer that looks like a 25th of whatever century we're in take on the NX-01. Oh, really? And I saw a picture. It's not the NX-01, but I think it's like an homage to it. And I, I saw tweets about it and I, like they gave it the class name, but I didn't take those to memory yet. Huh. Uh, but uh, it was reminiscent. I don't want to say it's a copy. Okay. You know, when the Titan was warping out of the space dock, the audio that was playing almost sounded like a siren as if they were stealing the Titan, almost like in search <laughs> for Spock. And so I'm wondering if this is an authorized mission or not. Oh, it's totally not an authorized mission. Uh, even um, Michelle Hurd is like, we're going to go see the undersea, this under uh, the CD parts of the Star Trek universe. Oh, uh -huh. well, that just so. means section 31, right? <laughs> Uh, no, I think we're going to see like the criminal aspects, not the like the criminal CD underground of okay. the Star Trek universe. So when I was at the Star Trek tour back in June, the original one without Shatner, uh, the the guy who played Kirk on those fan series, James Hawley, was there just walking around. I was able to get a photo with him. He was also the MC a month later when I went back for the Q&A with Shatner. So he's the guy who vamped and filled up the time prior to Shatner showing up late. And he was talking about how he got to... So like he actually worked on TNG as a costumer, which is his connection to like the official Star Trek oh. fan. And I guess he was brought in for Picard Season 3. I don't know if he was just like, getting to see it or if he was a consultant or if he was an extra, I forget his involvement, if any, but what he said to us is Picard season three is essentially TNG season eight. You're going to love it. It's amazing. And I have two thoughts to that one. If it was going to suck, he wouldn't tell us. Uh, right. Of course. And two, unless Picard season three is episodic, it's not TNG season eight. I mean, it could, well, I guess it's going to be, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you're going for. I, mean, I can still think it can be at the season eight. Yeah, but Just it's going to be. Tell, like, a modern take on it. Not, not there. It's not the nineties anymore, right? It's not the early nineties. But like Picard season two was like, I, I felt like that could have been condensed into a couple of hours into a movie, but they had to fill a season. So they expanded it. Like you and I mm -hmm. talked about how, Oh, they went and saved. Uh, I've already forgotten people's names. The captain of the La Serena, uh, Rios. Rios. They went and like Rios teleported into the wrong place, and they had to go save him from ice. And none of that mattered. You know, like they didn't advance the plot at all. And so, like, uh -huh. I, I feel like, do they have a TNG plot that they're just going to stretch across ten episodes now? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, for, so for you, season eight would be like, like it is the episodic nature of it. And yeah. to you, that means it would be season eight. Right. And I don't need Picard season three to be episodic. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that James Hawley's metaphor is probably not going to play out. You, you don't feel like, well, probably that too. But like, for you, it's a different meaning than what he might have been meaning it. Yes. I, I might be taking it to refer to the format, whereas he's referring more to the tone or the camaraderie or something. By the way, Worf looks great with white hair. 
Yeah, they all did. <laughs> like, like, especially Beverly. Yep. Goodness. We still don't know how Brent Spiner's coming back, if at all. We know it, no, his, or, his voice is there, but... Um, do you know about the other character? I don't want to say... There was an announcement a couple weeks ago about someone, someone's role. The fact that you haven't answered yet, either you or Frozen. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I don't want to say anything. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so clearly, you did not um, see this announcement somehow. And I'm okay with that. And so, no, no, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just dancing around. Can mute your audio. <laughs> Okay, can you mute me on your side? I, I could take my headset off, and then okay. you. And since we, you and I have video on, you just flash at me when you want me to come back. Oh, Denise Crosby's coming back, and I'm so excited. Okay, I did not hear that. Okay, all right. Yes, Ken. Cool. Uh, I could verify Ken had the headset off, and <laughs> I spoke quieter, and hopefully would not hear it from distance. And I was not reading your lips either. Although, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that news with our listeners. Yeah. Um, oh, we should, we should have mentioned how Will Wheaton is coming back as uh, the Terran em- Emperor. Yes, in the, in the game, in the Star Trek MMO. Yeah, that's not a game I play, but I loved his voice work on that clip. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny that uh, Will, or Wesley Crusher in the Terran Empire uh, <laughs> becomes leader. Like, yeah. I love that everybody we know from the TV shows is important in the mirror universe. Yes. <laughs> Just so convenient. Uh, it's a mirror, right? A darkly. Right. <laughs> All right. Shall we talk about lower decks? Lowering our standards to lower decks. Uh, <laughs> we'll use a similar segue ahead. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of return actors show up and it's been fun to hear them. Reprise yeah, their roles. Had- yeah, there have been three episodes so far this season, and we've had at least one major character come back in each one. Uh, yeah, uh, we got to have... Um, uh, I'll do the second one. Okay, the first one, that's good. The first one was James Cromwell, who played Zephram Cochran, because the crew of the Cerritos went to Bozeman, Montana, which is now an amusement park. Uh, yeah, James Cromwell. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. And James Cromwell was playing a hologram version of Zephram Cochran taking people on a simulated flight of the Phoenix. <laughs> Which is an awesome ride. I would love to do that. Just well, like course, they would. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I, got, I got a kick out of now that retcon, or not just retcons, that alters Jordy in First Contact talking about the statue. Jordy left out the amusement park ride part. <laughs> I hadn't like even he thought of that. He know about it, and he he let that part out. <laughs> I mean, I caught that the statue was there because Jordy had uh, said so, but I didn't think about how he must have left out. Oh yeah, and there's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. It kind of they didn't change anything, and yet they added new context, which makes it hilarious. <laughs> I was impressed they got James Cromwell back because he's only been on Star Trek twice. Once, of course, no. was First Contact, and second was. Enterprise Broken Bow. He was on more than that. He was on DS9. I'm sorry. Was... You're right. You're right. I meant as Zephram Cochran. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he he uh uh he has a good relationship with the Star Trek cast being uh uh I just watched the episode the other day or it was on with him on uh TNG. 
Um, there was no pigs. Um, and then he was on DS9. And then, uh, yeah, it was Zephyr Cochran. And then he got to reprise his role um, in X- or Enterprise is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he appeared again in Enterprise later on, too. But not as his character, like just mentioning. Right. Uh, talking about the Borg. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. The 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 uh the cybernetic zombies from space. Yes. I'm so glad they brought him back and could and he's like no problem. I'll I'll be on your cartoon. <laughs> Do you think that like obviously Zephram Cochran would not be pleased to find out that his momentous landmark became a amusement park? Do you think James Cromwell was like, wait a minute, you're going to take this character that I developed over two hours of one of the best Star Trek movies ever and make a mockery of him? I think I just thought, you know, I think both the character and the person would think it's hilarious eventually. (laughs) Maybe not in his, at the moment in first contact, but years later, like he would probably laugh it off. And I think James Cromwell just loves to have fun. That's true. For him, this is not a movie he watches every year like it is for me. For him, <laughs> this is one movie he did 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I found it like a little sacrilegious. Like, oh, let me give you an example. Rift Tracks from the creators uh-huh. of Mystery Science Theater 3000. They do audio commentary making fun of movies. I love it when they make fun of good movies because when the jokes fall flat, they're still a good movie to watch. So like <laughs> uh-huh. I watched their riffs on the matrix and independence day and Harry Potter. And I thought they were fantastic. Then I watched their riff on the original star Wars. And I'm like, this movie is too good to make fun of. <laughs> and I know I'm saying that about this crappy B sci-fi movie from the seventies essentially, but I don't know. Like I enjoy star Wars so much that I didn't, their commentary was almost a distraction at that point. Yeah. You're just ready to watch the movie. Something get to watch the movie first, then go back and watch the riff tracks version. Well, that's what I usually do. Like I, oh, yeah. I don't, I only watch riff tracks of movies I've seen before. Uh, uh, but even like if the movie is really good, then like, like I've never seen their riff of Casablanca, but I have to mm-hmm. wonder how does that work? Oh, I'm interested in that. Cause I love Casablanca so much. So much that you want people to make fun of it. Yeah, it would be all for it. It's absurd. <laughs> so this is it's, a little how I felt with James Cromwell. I was like, wait a minute, they're making fun of Zephram Cochran. I love Zephram Cochran. Yeah, it, well, that Zephram Cochran is still there. That's true. It doesn't take it away. And speaking of um, continuing on, we got Batless and Binax with JG Hertzler reprising his role, playing the Star Trek BCR game and Dungeons and Dragons at the same time. <laughs> I love this. He was a virtual DM hacked together by the Ferengi. So it wasn't actually his character, nor was it endorsed by his character. It was a simulation of his character. I was okay with that. <laughs> but, oh, that was so much fun. And I hope they make like a prop version you can buy of Batless and Binux. <laughs> especially with you being a D&D player. This must have been especially amusing. D&D player, editor, DM. Right, all those uh, things. A whole gambit. Make sure you go to sabriel.gay to see all the products I have uh, edited. A link will be in the um, show notes. Yes. Or just go over sabriel.gay. There's a website you can go to, sabriel.gay. Um, <laughs> or me, sabriel.me. Anyway, J.G. Hertzler, he loves he loved um, playing a Klingon. And I think he still really loves playing Martok. Uh, mm. like any chance to pr- play it again? He's probably like, yes, I'll fly out there right away. 
Well, here's another distinction. I've never seen James Cromwell in person. I saw Gigi Hertzler at a conference, and he is hilarious. Yeah, I've seen video clips of him. I haven't seen him, but um, he seems like such an awesome guy. Right. So seeing him in this role, again, kind of like Zephyr Cochran making fun of himself, I had an easier time absorbing this. Not just because it was a Frankie hack, but because mm-hmm. it seemed authentic to the actor. Right on. Doesn't he also do like cigars? Maybe he didn't dare. I, I think I've seen pictures of him holding cigars and stuff like that. I could totally just see him uh, answering the phone. The cigar is more like, all right, yeah, I'll be right there. All right. <laughs> I know that he ran for office and yeah. won. Uh, also, way back in the day, I did a blog post where uh, I, I, I took a clip, a still photo from Quantum Leap that showed Scott Bakula and J.G. Hertzler together. Mm, yep, yep, in, yep. In an episode of Quantum Leap. And then they were together again in Enterprise with J.G. Hertzler playing a lawyer Klingon. Yes. And so I, I thought it was fun. Like, And I had the, I pulled out the audio uh, from J.G. Uh, Hertzler saying, Honor, Pah, you have no honor. And it was actually a clip from Quantum Leap. <laughs> he was saying that, not as a Klingon. So, uh, yeah, and we have, shall we talk about the third cameo? Yes, uh, man, this is a character. Uh, you can talk to her, but this is a character. I had to look up the name again. Like, who is this? And they are my Clark Kent, because apparently if they change their hair, I don't recognize them at all. <laughs> this is the actress Susan Gibney, and she played Leah Brahms. In addition to another character on Deep Space Nine, but most notably on TNG, she played Leah Brahms in two episodes. And now she was back, just like J.G. Hersler, as a and James Cromwell, they were all simulated versions of themselves. They were not their actual characters on Lower Decks. She appeared as Sam Rutherford's fantasy. And what did you think of that? I thought it was hilarious. Like, yep, that, that, that seems to fit Rutherford perfect. <laughs> Just, and I'm so glad that, oh, that, that's, that episode is great. Uh, but uh, try to keep it on focus on Leah Brams. Like, I thought it was hilarious. Like, yep, this is, this is a very Rutherford thing. <laughs> when you say that episode was great, you mean that episode of Lower Decks? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed some of the fantasies as well, but this one <laughs> made me a little uncomfortable because the episode in which she originally appeared, some people have described as problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jordy made a simulated fantasy girl and fell in love with her, even though that wasn't his intention. Uh-huh. It still happened. And here she is again being objectified by an engineer. Oh, but see here, I think that was the joke. I oh, mean, you think so? It was self-referential? But for him, it wasn't... I mean, for him, he was fantasizing about the warp core, not her, as well. Mm. But I think it was totally self-referential. Okay, I can see that. Otherwise, the actress went to ben- done it again. I mean, like... I'm sure this was paychecks really good. I think it was intentional <laughs> as a nod to the crap that was that episode of TNG. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I, I did like some of her lines in this episode, like... We could increase gravimetric pressure all night. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that could be taken a couple of different ways. Yeah, no, I think that was the intent. And I think it was supposed to be okay. a callback. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. See, I thought if the first time she appeared was problematic, then the second time was even cringeworthy because it was even more so. But isn't there some like axiom saying that if a parody is indistinguishable from the thing it's mocking, then it is the thing it's mocking. 
Uh, there might be, but also it's like in the eye of the beholder too. <laughs> like, yeah. if you didn't catch it, I did. Is it still? Did is did it work? You know. <laughs> I'm not too put off by it. I mean, I love Lower Decks. This was a fun episode. I especially wanted to get your take, though, not talking about a cameo, about Mariner's fantasy in this episode. I was so glad they re-acknowledged that little thing at the end of season two because it hadn't been touched on at all. Oh, I... Yep. (laughs) That was wonderful. Yeah, I was not surprised because they had hinted at it and you and I had talked about it. I was surprised that, that this is how they revealed it. I thought it would be... Oh, no, they, they revealed it at the end of season two. Well, what, what I meant was, I, I thought it would be an organic development between the two actual characters. Uh-huh. Whereas here, it was just like, oh, you wanted to be your hot Andorian girlfriend, huh? Uh, and and like I'm glad they haven't had that because this show is about those four, our four characters, really, and the bridge crew. It's mm-hmm. not about Jennifer. Unless we're going to add Jennifer to it. And so like for me, I'm like, okay, yep, makes sense. This is all going on behind the scenes. And I'm glad they just didn't forget about it. I mean, we, we get lots of development about other characters like Ransom, for example. Yeah, uh, the bridge crew, though. But Yeah, true. But I would like to know, like, what's more important to me than knowing that Mariner is attracted to Jennifer is knowing whether or not the attraction is mutual. And we don't know that from a fantasy. Oh, they're talking about, like, She's her girlfriend. So they are in a relationship. When did they say that? That was, like, I mentioned not talking about here. Like, she is your girlfriend. It wasn't just a fantasy about her. Uh, and Boimler even asked her, like, you two are going, like, yeah, what up? Yeah, but even, like, I, I think, I think Mariner even said in this episode, we're not, she's not my girlfriend. We're just hanging out. I don't. I think she, I think Mariner was in I have to watch that again, but I thought Boimler was like, I didn't know, I, no, you were t- dating. And she's like, yeah. Huh. I have a different memory of this episode. I'll watch it again. All right. Cool. <laughs> and the, the only other thing about Lower Decks I wanted to get your take on was season two ended in a cliffhanger with the captain getting arrested. And that was resolved. I think I already know your reaction. Uh, it was resolved in the season premiere. Yep. Just like the first season. <laughs> Did that happen? What happened? Uh, I don't even remember, but I remember it happened. Like, okay. it, it basically, the re- resolution is like a... a they build up this huge thing and then they resolve it and it's no big deal. Uh, it's exactly what I think I said at the end of the podcast about that too. It's like, I'm not too worried about it. They're going to resolve this real quick and I don't care. I don't care what the resolution is. It's going to be funny. And so they did. And it was. Uh, I would have liked to see it pull, uh, it was, stretched out um, a little bit more. Or what yeah. was it? It was uh, the death of um, Shrax. Oh, that's right. No, I mean, season one didn't end on a cliffhanger. He did die. But it wasn't a cliffhanger. Okay, but we resolved it immediately right after. Yeah, they brought him back like immediately. Uh-huh. And then we don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I did like how at the beginning of every season, the opening sequence has an additional foe added to that space combat. Scene. Yes, yes. So it used to, it used to be Romulans and Borg. Then it was Romulan Borgs and Pakleds. And now it's Romulans, Borg, Pakleds, and the crystalline entity. <laughs> And I'm for some reason. <laughs> I'm actually glad to see that because the death of the crystalline entity in TNG has been uh, a sorrow that has permeated across the millennia in my heart. And there was a novel where, not canon, where the the the, the space dust that it shattered into slowly reattracted and reformed over time. Really? So it was so it didn't actually die. It was just uh 
broken up and then reassembled. But also, we don't know if it was singular in in its existence or if there were other crystalline entities. I think, didn't we actually know this reminds me, wasn't there a Lower Decks episode last season where they saw crystalline entities like mating or something? Oh, God, probably. That sounds like Lower Decks. <laughs> I, I thought it was the episode where uh, that alien who can break apart her limbs into different components... And the captain was like, we're going to show you how good a crew we are by purposely going into dangerous situations. That's and right. I thought there were some crystalline <laughs> entities there. It was anyway, that sounds about I'm, right. I'm always glad to be reaffirmed that we did not lose the only crystalline entity in existence because the way that, <laughs> that thing was killed by a mother seeking vengeance for a dead son who didn't want vengeance. Mm-hmm. That, that just, that that's traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. It was a big thing. Uh, the clarification, Memory Alpha, after Jennifer saved her life, and the two have started dating by 2382, Lower Decks, mining the mines, mines. Hmm, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. That's all, that's all I got to say about Lower Decks. Uh, yeah, it, I really enjoy the show, but if I think about it too deeply, I'm like, no. <laughs> I just have to sit here, laugh at it, get my Star Trek laughs. And then watch it when it replays again on the Star Trek Live on Paramount Plus. Wait, you mean you have the ability to not think about things deeply? <laughs> when it comes to lower decks, yes. Like if I put any analysis on it, it just it's like there's nothing to analyze for me. <sighs> I wish I had that ability. <laughs> I think I'd enjoy the show a lot more if I could just not think about it so deeply. <laughs> but uh, I before we go though, uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I guess we should have mentioned this. In my opinion, Star Trek Day this year was not as momentous as last year's. Like, we didn't get as many trailers, as many reveals. Maybe that's because there are no new shows in production. There are new seasons, but no new shows like Strange New Worlds and Prodigy, yeah, both of which were new they last are, year. They're all in super secret mode. Oh, we got to see Discovery. We didn't even talk about Discovery. Oh, we saw a single still frame of it and a, a set yeah. tour, right? yeah. Uh, yep, there you go. We can't talk about it. <laughs> and even kept yeah. saying that over and over again. <laughs> we we know that Tilly is somewhere in the season. That's not a surprise. Yeah, I didn't think it was. And then they were like, look, Tilly's coming back. I'm like, was she ever gone? <laughs> and we know that Michael gets to ride a motorcycle. There was one thing I thought was really neat about that little set tour. There was something really neat there. Wilson Cruz doing the set tour, and he was showing off the... Federation headquarters. And he said, because it's a ship, it gets its own dedication plaque and he read it off there. And I thought it was really cool. I hadn't even thought about that. Huh. Um, Cause we found out the Federation headquarters is a ship as well. And so he read off the dedication plaque and the little poet's poem there. Extremely hard to read because it was a clear plaque, like a plexiglass with white writing on it against a white wall. <laughs> or some, some like a dark, like, like very light gray with white writing. Like, okay, this is no one would ever be able to read this on screen. But it was really cool that he showed that and read that off. It was neat. Yeah, I like these little details that they add in, like when they put the names of the producers on the plaque as the people who built the ship and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Any other Star Trek stuff we want to wrap up with? That's all I got. I'm excited for the rest of Lower Decks. Yeah. I do want to briefly mention that I recently picked up another show. I don't watch a lot of shows as they are airing, but... I'm a casual Tolkien fan. I saw the Lord of the Rings movies when they came out in the early 2000s. And then I watched all the extended editions once on DVD. Uh, 
I saw the Hobbit movies once and liked them probably more than some people and not as much as others. <laughs> Never read the books, tried, didn't like them, but I thought I'd give the Rings of Power a shot on Amazon Prime and it is great. Awesome. I've watched the first episode. We we're going to watch the other two yesterday. I just didn't get to it. So maybe today. I'm enjoying it though. I think it is the first live action fantasy show I've ever watched. Like I've never watched Games of Thrones or Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly and i can't think of a lot of other shows that would fit that genre unless you count gallivant which i did love but that was a musical comedy <laughs> right? and so it's really nice to see the genre and the production quality from the lord of the rings movies on a tv show in fact i read that this will be the most expensive tv show ever produced with the first season costing a billion dollars jesus <laughs> <clears throat> Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And we could get into discussions about how else that money could be spent and whether or not Amazon is evil, but I'm here to talk about the rings of power and I am enjoying it. I, I have friends who have read all the books and all the Christopher Tolkien books and they know everything that's happening and what it's referring to. And Mm -hmm. all those layers are lost on me and that's fine because I think all will be revealed in time. Right on. Uh, I am a fan of Tolkien. I wish, Rewatched some movies last year. Again, rewatched Fellowship this few weeks, months ago, and started rereading uh, Fellowship for the first time in like twenty years. And so I've been like, "Wow, this is better than I remember." Even with all the eighteen pages to describe a tree. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, one of the reasons I got turned off on it. It's just more detailed than the television generation needs. Uh, and for me, I'm like, I, I almost like got older. I think I changed my mind on that. It's like, okay, I can do this now when i was like a 20 year old reading it it was not the same now see i read the hobbit when i was probably about 22 mm-hmm. or or young no i think no 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 i read it when i was younger and i enjoyed it and i tried to read the fellowship and i couldn't so then when i was 22 i tried again and i started over with the hobbit and that time i couldn't even finish the hobbit so Maybe I don't know, older, I, as i get change. older i enjoy it less <laughs> uh one other show though that is premiering i think september 19th on peacock is a new quantum leap oh boy (laughs) holy crap (laughs) Uh, i there is a trailer i haven't seen it i didn't even know the show was being made until somebody tweeted the poster for it Uh uh-huh and then like i've already spoiled one thing for myself which i wish i hadn't which was wikipedia clarifies whether or not this is a reboot or a continuation of the original show and I wish I didn't know which one it was. I would have found out soon enough. So, hey. <laughs> right, right. So I'm probably going to sign up for Peacock. If there is some sort of a promo code I can use to get a free month, I would love to find out what that is. I but don't know if you have to sign up for Peacock. I think you can just thought, get ad-supported version. I could be wrong. I mean, even Paramount Plus has an ad-supported version, but you still have to pay for it. I've watched Peacock shows without any subscription. Hmm. Well, I may... Sign up for it just because I hate ads. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I see a I see a promo here. Two dollars a month for the first twelve months. Uh, premium for premium. Yeah. Oh no! Wait. Here it says it's two dollars a month for the first twelve months for the ad supported version. It's ten dollars a month for the ad free version. Uh, if you scroll down, it says what else do you need to know? Is Peacock also available for free? Yes, limited contact content is on the network for free. So. Oh, you're right. There is an FAQ here. 
I wonder if that will include Quantum Leap. I would think that they would want to incentivize people signing up for that. Who knows? <laughs> huh. We will see <laughs> in a few weeks. Their FAQ actually also says, is Jurassic World Dominion on Peacock? <laughs> their FAQ is five questions, and that's one of them. <laughs> what is it? What can I watch on Premium versus Plus? What devices? And is Jurassic World Dominion on it? <laughs> wow. And that must be frequently asked. Wow. <laughs> so the Airbnb I'm staying in does not have a television, which is unusual for me. I'm here until October 7th or so. So I'm either watching shows on my brand new 14-inch laptop. (laughs) First new laptop I've had in nine years and an inch smaller than my last one. Or I'm staying late in the co-working office where I'm spending my days and watching on my 27-inch monitor. Uh, Neither one is optimal. I prefer to hook up my Apple TV to a nice big HDTV and watch it there. But I'm not going to not watch a show just because the screen is too small. I mean, that's how I used to watch in the old days when a 13-inch TV to watch Star Trek, you know. <laughs> you had a 13-inch TV? So. Like one of those little ones. Wow. I, I, I mean, our black and white one. I would watch it in our black and white one in the kitchen or on the, if I could get the slightly larger screen in the living room. Like, yeah. Oh, you, you know what I have found is sometimes when I'm watching old TV shows, they were, of course, shot for a four by three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. And the DVD player need you know, I guess I'm dating myself, needs to be told that it's four by three. Otherwise, it stretches it out to 16 by nine. <laughs> and it's not um, always immediately obvious. Sometimes people just look a little chonky. I was like, oh, that's okay. But then I'm like, no, wait, wait, it's the wrong aspect ratio. I recently started watching this show from the 90s called Vanishing Sun. And when I booted it up, it was wide. I was like, wait a minute. It's not that this looks weird. It's that that ratio didn't exist back then. <laughs> And so I went to the settings and I, I'm like, oh, now that is the correct ratio. Yes, that does make a big difference. Oh. Anyway, that's all I got. Rings of Power and Quantum Leap, Lower Decks. That's my TV agenda for the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> also, I got to say, we saw a Picard Season 3 trailer, not a Discovery Season 5 trailer. And usually there's a season of Discovery before there's a season of Picard. Seems like that won't be the case this time. No, the Discovery is a, sounds like it's a long way off if they're scared to show anything still. Yeah. Yeah, usually we, I think last year we went right from Lower Decks into Discovery, into Picard, into Strange New Worlds. Whereas right now, Lower Decks wraps up this season next month, October, and we don't know if we have anything after that. Not until January, or Prodigy, and then January for Picard. Oh, do we have a date for Prodigy? Uh, I think that's coming up shortly after. Yes, yeah, uh, end of October-ish. I don't know the exact date, but... Okay. Right. Yeah, let's uh, share some dates with our listeners. So, uh, Picard Season 3 will debut in <laughs> February 16th. And Prodigy Season 1, Part 2, will debut on october 27th (laughs) so Uh, you're right directly after lower decks we go into prodigy i don't think prodigy will probably be 10 episodes which means it'll be done early january so there will be a gap between prodigy and picard not a huge one like one month and then somewhere we'll get discovery and strange new worlds we don't have dates for either of those yet nope cool (laughs) 
Well, gee, when we don't talk for two months, we have a lot to catch up on. Uh, apparently. Um, yeah. All right. Well, our next port of call, I think, is coming up. Uh, and so I think it is time for us to sign off. That's true. This has been fantastic catching up with you, Sabriel. I always enjoy our time on Transporter Lock, whether it's every week or whether it's every two months. Uh, same here. And uh, since I just set up myself to say we are about to stop, if I say hit it to end, it doesn't quite work. So I'll just say, um, okay. <laughs> Until next time. Uh, disengage. <laughs> uh, hit it. <laughs> by stopping. It's just so weird. I, sh- I set myself up wrong. Anyway, bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. <laughs>